record here. Welcome back to Lay It on the Table, the Southern Board Game Podcast with the accent on Southern. I'm your host, uh, Joe Mahaffey, and I finally got that one right because I wrote it down right here in front of me so I can see it this week, and I'm not going to screw it up ever again, <laughs> except when I do. <clears throat> it's a dream. It's a dream. Yeah. And of course, as always with me today, James Englehart. Good to see you again, Joe. How's the... It sounds like we're both a little froggy here. Yeah, you know, I tell you, it's the you catch the cold, then you get the up and down with the weather, and you know, we went away for Thanksgiving, and uh, my daughter has a cat, and uh-huh. I'm not so sure that that didn't um, didn't cause some issues with the respiratory stuff. But you know, it'll get it's, it's all good. We're, we're feeling so. You've got you've got an allergy. Mm-hmm. I got a kitty here behind beside me. So yeah, yeah, sick, yeah. sick Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that was sort of. Uh, the why I'm froggy. Uh, but I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Looks like you had your daughter in town and your son, of course. So you just had everybody everybody in your life around you. It was our nice little uh, nuclear family kind of gathering. We don't, um, we've been with other groups over the, you know, bouncing here and there, but this time it was just the four of us and it was super fun. It was good. Uh, it's awesome. Very mellow. Yeah. But you were you were up in the triangle, right? We, yeah, we went up to, Durham, North Carolina, or as I like to call it, Durham. Durham, yeah. Yeah, my nephew lives in uh, Raleigh, and uh, we did the uh, Thanksgiving at his place. He and his wife were very gracious to host us. So me and my wife and my sister, we got an Airbnb in Durham, and we were just a few miles from my daughter. And uh, then we all converged on his place on Thanksgiving Day, and my older, both of my sisters were there. So it was a really nice little little family reunion, and... Um, had planned to try to, you know, see. I was going to try to go buy Atomic Empire on Black Friday, but then, uh, right on. but then I thought better of it. That's fair. <laughs> and we came on back home. So, a lot to do to get ready for the holidays, and sure, you know, it's, it never fails. the The one day or two you go away, all of a sudden you get all these alerts. This will be arriving today. This will be arriving. Oh yeah. So we had to come back for that. Yeah. For all the yeah, all the arrival stuff, all the arrival, all that stuff, yeah, which was very anti-weather, or as I like to say, anticlimactic. See anti-weather, but I do. Yeah, yeah, I got. This is why this is not a comedy show, folks. The dad joke. We have day jobs. Yes. So, um, writing comedy. No. So I gotta say, our last episode was was um, probably spiked in our in our database. Or our dashboard, rather, of, of number of listens, which you know we're we're still right. so, which just means we've gone from single digits into double digits. So we're you know we're making headway. But what was really cool is um, because we had talked about um, some things to do with Jamie Stegmire, particularly his uh, his Twitter um, post. Yep. I actually decided to be bold, and I sent him an email saying, "Hey, I just want you to know we were talking about you um, on our podcast this week." And he and he was so kind. Within a within a couple of hours, he replied. Wow! And he said, "Thanks so much for sharing, Joe. I hope you're doing well. I appreciate your thoughts about the Twitter choice. Also, for the vitic- viticulture wine crate, the first printing sold well. We made about five thousand units that sold quickly, and the second printing hasn't arrived yet. Best, uh, so- Jamie." So, a couple things out of that. Number one, he listened to the podcast, or at least the parts where we talked about him, which I understand. <laughs> it's fair. And he answered a question that we were we were wondering about. Well, you know, when we talked about the whole idea of, um, you know, the the viticulture wine crate, and then you know, is that going to be a staple, or is it was it just a one off kind of through our conversations? So I thought that was that was pretty cool. That's good to know that there's a second printing arriving too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, uh, as usual, um, you know, we like to talk about what's been on our table. I'm going to have, uh, I have a lean story here, so I'm going to let you go and sort of talk about what you've got here, because there's a lot of good stuff from what I can see on this list. Yeah. So, uh, we're getting towards the end of the semester, and my students were just the, like, the day before, like, Thanksgiving break kind of space, and they were just kind of, like, I don't even know why I'm here. So, we had a little conversation, and I like to... Now, you know, I always do this with like, okay, we're going to do a couple of things for class. So here's this, okay, we're going to transition to that. Now we're going to do this last thing. And so we did our first conversation. I said, okay, so now we're going to do next is y'all look super tired. So we're going to play games again. And uh, I always like to kind of 
Where were you when I was in college? Oh, wait, you were a year behind me. I was also in college, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Same place, yeah. So so I brought just a stack of small games, and uh, we had played the game in class a couple of weeks earlier, and so a couple students and I sat down and played the game again. And one of the things that was really fun about that is earlier in the conversation, a, a young woman had said, oh, you know, I... I really love the competitiveness of games. And if I can't compete in a game that it's just not worth playing, she got to play the game with us. And it was just really fun to watch her kind of then become super competitive cooperatively. And that was a kind of a, just a fascinating switch. She was like, oh, super angry about the cards that she couldn't play, the stuff that she needed to. And she was feeling like she was letting us down. It was super awesome. And then another group... Um, one of the games I pulled out is Dude. I want to say that I want I want to say the Dude in vibes, but I don't think it's the same thing. Mm-mm. No, it's uh, it. I mean, it would be better, you know. And they were noting that uh, yes, it's better if it's uh, later in the evening when you're playing Dude. But you get a stack of, I want to say, twelve cards. So you get uh, six different versions of the word Dude twice, and all you do. When you say go, as you pull the first card off your deck and start saying dude the way it's written. And it might be large capital letters or lots of O's, dude, or there's one with a tie-dyed background. And you just keep saying dude until you think somebody else is saying dude the same way you are. You say sweet, and if you both do that and you flip your cards over and they match then you get to keep them for scoring. If they don't, they go to the middle of the table and you don't get to score them. The first person who goes to their deck says, chill. And then everybody counts how many cards they have and the most cards wins. I, I, so many things are going through my brain right now. Anything? Anything? Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was wonderful. <laughs> it's, Dude. It is, ap- it is absolutely chaos and it's hilarious to hear, you know, six undergrads just going, Dude, you know, all at the same time. Absolutely. Well, you could you couldn't get a bunch of your you know like PhD professorial type professorial types to sit there and go, dude, 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 oh, dude. I I have played it with uh with professors as well, so they are perhaps even funnier because they um. So one of the young women afterwards was like, yeah, my mom says dude all the time. I was like, what year did your mom graduate from high school? Uh, I don't know. She was born in 1968, though. I was like, yep, nope. Yep, that's the, yeah. straight up the, yeah, that's straight up the center line there, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. She would have loved this, yes, <laughs> 100%. So that was uh, super fun. Um, And then one thing that uh, Laura and I have sort of, at some point, two, three weeks ago, we just sort of stopped watching TV after Emerson goes to bed. And so we've been playing a lot of uh, games. So I we played, I ordered Seven Wonders Duel a while ago and finally got that to the table. That was a super, it goes super quick. Mm-hmm. It still feels kind of like Seven Wonders, um, but it's a really nice, and the, the only sort of tricky thing is laying out the cards in certain patterns for each of the three eras, uh, but... It starts to get pretty intuitive pretty quick. And I'm gonna Joe's gonna die over there in the corner. You can't breathe that stuff, man. No, it's uh I swallowed wrong on that one. Yeah. Uh but it's a it's a solid, solid little two player version of, of Seven Wonders. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Um yeah. Well we've got this since we live in the San Susi neighborhood of Greenville, um, San Susi comes off the the shelf a lot. Uh, that's an older game. I think it's getting a remake. I think it's coming out again. Um, and it well, it sells pretty well. I see a lot in the game store. Oh, really? Yeah. And I know that um, that it probably wouldn't keep getting put back in the game store if it wasn't doing well. Yeah, it's a it's a nice. I mean, it's a, one of these games where you know, like Cascadia or others, where you have some control over the tiling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But it's also super constrained. You know, like Cascadia, you can't just put um, any animal anywhere. It has to go on a particular tile, right? And here you've got, everybody has an identical deck of cards that have colors or uh, garden 
garden fixtures, like you might have topiaries or water fountains uh, there or statues or what have you. And on your turn, you've got, I think you've got two cards in hand and the colors match colors on your board. There's a draw thing in the middle that has similar kind of stuff. And you can either draw the, you can either pull the tile that has the matching icon, the statue, the topiary, or that matches the color goes on your board in the same way. There's a little bit more stuff going on, but it's like, if you, if you can't win the game because the cards don't come out or the wrong things come up, you're like, well, okay. It's, you know, there's, it's a super light game with a little bit of strategy of trying to figure out what to put where, when it comes out. And, but it's also a game that you can't, it just doesn't let you think too much about it. Right. Like there's, you only have one of two things to choose and you just do it. Um, so nice. Yeah. And so it's an, I mean, it's a super light, but entertaining enough, I think engaging enough that, and it goes quickly once you've got it under your belt that you can spend. Yeah. Pleasant half hour or so working through that. Um, and the other night we also had a, uh, a Reiner Knizia Fest where we played Shot and Totten, Quest for El Dorado, and Ingenious back to back to back. And they're all the same designer? They're all Reiner Knizia games, yeah. Okay. That yeah. was while the family was in town? No, that was just uh, Laura and I a couple days you know, before uh, Sky got here. Very cool. Yep. Um, and Shot and Totten's a... It's a kind of tug of war for tiles in the middle and you play cards down and there are, you know, you win for color runs, three of a kind. And they have, you know, they sort them out a little bit like poker hands. Uh, and once you've won that side, the tile comes to you first person to have five or three in a row wins. Again, it, it's, um, it's a lot more, it's a lot more strategic, but there's still not a lot going on. Quest for El Dorado is Knizia's version of a, a deck builder. Okay. And you're moving across, you're moving across jungle lands trying to get to El Dorado. Uh, and Ingenious is just a classic Knizia um, abstract where you're laying tiles and you connect. You know, if you've got, you know, you lay it, they're sort of... Um, double-sided or double-ended uh, dials, uh, tiles like dominoes and you know, it might be green and red or red and blue and put down the blue and if there are two other blue tiles right there then you get one point for each and so on. The thing is, and it introduced for me, it introduced the, the classic Knizia scoring, which is your lowest score is the one that you score for. So you might have 16 and 18 in red and you've got four in green Four is your final score. There's another game that has that mechanic, and I can't. So many. Yep. <clears throat> but as far as I recall, this is the first time it shows up. Okay. As like, yeah, your worst score is the one you, when you get. Interesting. Yep. Uh, jump drive, all kinds of fun history about that, but it's to sort of a sort of stripped down race for the galaxy dams. It's just super chaotic fun. The first couple of times Laura and I played it, it was like, how does this work? And now we're just like, this is awesome. So when I saw it on the list, when I saw it on the list, I immediately thought of a USB drive. It. Because the, the, we, you know, it's a jump drive. We actually yep. just yep. jump, jump start your computer sometimes. Yeah. So it just kind of like, hmm. And then I was like, I'm intrigued. And I looked at it and I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a galaxy, galaxy game, which is just as good. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not just as helpful as, you know, taking extra pictures around and stuff. But, fair, you know. Well, fair. But, uh, but it's so funny it's because a... I come from I come from an era of sci-fi where they talked about hyperspace as the jump drive. Mm -hmm. And now you don't hear that convention as much because, like, well, we have to talk about warp drive or hyperspace oh, yeah. or, you know. So I just, you know, the jump drive is, is for us oldies. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, that, that, that plays, plays a role. Yep. And it's a super, it's a, I mean, if you're interested in um, Race for the Galaxy and don't want to spend the time to figure out the stack of icons, it's a solid little... It's quick. Once you kind of get your mind around it, it goes super quick. So Laura and I will play this in like 10, 15 minutes. It okay. Goes. 
And if you've got a nice little, it's sort of an engine builder and Tableau. And once you've got one of the things that takes us the longest is like, okay, I draw 12 cards, but it's a 10 hand limit. So you're just like, blah, 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 blah. which ones am I throwing those two away? Okay. But it also has multi-use cards too. So it's, it's a super fun, super fun game. Uh, Jaipur's the classic two-player um, sort of trick-taking game. You know, it's funny. Jaipur is one of those, so, you know, and, and lo- local game stores might have their employees put their their selections. Oh, yeah. Um, Jaipur is one of the ones that you will find as the selection um, uh-huh. for one of the employees there. And I also see other stores do the same thing. Uh, and, and often I see Jaipur on it. It's funny. I don't have the game. Huh? I have bought the game before and taken it to like the, so every year at Christmas we'll do the, like the Stingy Santa trade-off mm-hmm. thing, and yeah. we'll always bring a board game. I'll try to find, you know, the limit's like sure. 20 bucks, and so I try to find a game that's, you know, in that range. Um, and my attitude is I'll either come home with the game or someone else goes home with the game. Yeah. So uh, Jiper, I've taken, so far I've taken Jiper and Pandemic, and I've yet to come home with the game. Uh, yeah, both are good. So, uh, yeah, and Jaipur's a great two-player. Um, again, it's, I mean, it's not super heavy. You're not going to sit there blowing your mind trying to figure out. But, um, it's a fun, and it's, it's interesting sort of trading, hard to have a, like, a two-player trading game that actually works, and it's, uh, it's pretty slick. Pretty awesome. You know, it's not when we play all the time, but it's like, ah, oh, it's late. We want to do, let's do a Jaipur real quick. Right. And it's a nice little box, so, so it can go everywhere you want. Uh, and then uh, Micro Macro Crime City. So I now have the Skrillis Yaris winner for the year that Sky was born. So Keltus, which was hard to find. And Micro Micro Crime City, the year that Emerson was born. There is still not easy to find but um it was and we played it four times with sky sky got into it uh and it's less of a game and more of an activity where you're looking around trying to solve the mysteries the give you clues um on the great big poster sized map of crime city and it was still a lot of fun for the three of us to look around and try to figure out who we were looking for and what was going on that sounds great. I'm glad you got to spend some time. And I see I see another one on your list. Did you actually play it? Haven't played it. Okay, you got it then. It showed up. It showed up. It showed up. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, we can do a little show and tell after a minute. You might want to jump ahead to yours and we can come back to that. Yeah, sure, sure. That's fine. So, yeah, I just, you know, it's funny. In the last couple of weeks, um, we played it. We played another couple of rounds of Arc Nova and then we put it up. And then we just got so busy with some other stuff that we had to do. Um, between my work and uh, getting ready for the holidays and such, um, we just didn't get another game out on the table. We had we had really good intentions, so we played Arc Nova. Mm. Kind of really got the nuances of that. I think we can play the, we because again we want to be able to teach it as I think I mentioned the last time. Yeah, and um, so we're we're kind of uh, we're good on that. And I see that there's actually an um a sequel or an expansion coming out. Uh, I don't have a lot of details on it, so I don't want to get deep in the weeds on it here. I just noticed that today as I was setting this the this up in the in the show notes. So I'll have to come back and take a look at that. So uh, we did that, and then um, we had good intentions. We took some games with us to uh, Thanksgiving, hoping to make it Thanksgiving. <laughs> but um, it just didn't work out. Um, uh my wife has a cold, which is probably the other reason why I sound a little raspy, mm-hmm. and um, and so I just didn't didn't really quite uh, get the things to the table. But we did take with us uh, Flamecraft because we know that that's just a family favorite, and I'm going to talk about that again in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, we took um, Savannah Park because we had intended to take it to the beach and forgot. I mean, I bought it specifically to take to the beach, and I get down there, I'm like, "Where's Savannah Park? Oh, it's at home." on the shelf where I left it. And then we also took Betrayal at House on the Hill because we thought if we were, you know, went to my daughter's that we could probably get something like, like that really going, but it just just didn't work out. We were we were all tired and stuff like that. So 
Sure. So how long does it take y'all to uh, get through a game of Ark Nova, the two of you? Um, it's 90 minutes to two hours, maybe. Okay. See, it's it's hard for me to say because the way we've done it usually, and one of the new things we like about the game, is we can set it up and start playing. And then it's like, okay, we need to make dinner now. So we might play an hour and we stop. And you can stop right where you are. Mm-hmm. And come back the next day and pick right up where you are. Sure. And that's one of the things we like about it is that you don't have to finish it in one sitting. However, we have discovered that some of our strategic thinking goes out the window. Oh yeah. If we don't write down kind of what our I've I've just said, look, let's you know what your next move is going to be. Write it down. And <laughs> so, um. But no, it's it's um it's one of those games that's really slow. I think I've said this before. It's really slow to get going in terms of moving up the board, but then all of a sudden you accelerate. Right. And the next thing you know, you're you're holding back to avoid triggering the end of the game because you've got things you want. Not because you're being nice, it's just you have other things you want to do. What God forbid you'd want to be nice, yeah. yeah. I do it to be nice. I because my wife listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that was it and then of course you were going to spoil oh yeah 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 so yeah one of the things we were got a little note saying hey expect a delivery and then another follow-up note that said yeah we don't know when that delivery is going to be there at the leg of that afternoon this showed it's up it's a big box oh yeah yeah no it's it's amazing uh, and we've got the little this is ninety four ninety five out of ten thousand, so ninety five hundred out of ten thousand. There you go. Barely, yeah. Neat, but it's... I'm on the list for the second printing. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it comes with the little uh, diagram. I'm gonna pack it. Put everything back in. Yeah, but it's uh, it yeah, it was surprisingly huge. I can just cover the cat with it there. Um, but beautifully organized. One of the things that's going to be super nice for Laura and I, because we'll be playing this a lot, is, you know, you've got two or three of these that you can just put out. So grab that, put it between the two of us, and that's all the stuff that you need without having to go. Now, does it come with food? Let's open. No. Uh, those are your... Those are your... Right, right. So we'd have... Okay. A couple of years ago, this was uh, those little acrylics. Yep. Great gift. I have the from Laura. Yeah. I have a number of different ones and I also have like all the I get all the ones from Meeple Source. Yep. The wooden yep. ones. So and uh mm-hmm. cute little a variety of egg colors too. Yeah. Nice. I just hope nice to be able to just grab that and just slap it on the table and whoosh. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's that's a game if you can get it out fast, it's good and it's hard to get out fast. Yeah. I mean it's not too bad, but still, yeah. And then there's another little this little organizer for player stuff um, and the goals and such. Nice. And the super deep Carnage tray. Solars holds all the cards with with sleeves? I think, yeah, it would probably, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's a little extra roomy. We don't sleeve them, but so we've got you know, a third so all three expansions are in here. Still still room at the top mm. there for other things. Yeah. More cards. More cards. It's, it's a card game. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's just, it's just the, once again, all the thing that, uh, interestingly, because it's a board game podcast, I can call it interesting. Um, the, um, Asia expansion wasn't boxed inside there. It was just sort of, right. You know, busted open as it were, and all the parts on the top level, and they're yeah, it's a, it's an astonishing, beautiful piece. Sky was here and was just like, "What in God's name have you done?" <laughs> but uh, well, the problem is, I have so many different inserts for this game. I don't know how that's going to play. Well, and that's a good question. Um, the the top tray, you know, is just sort of the there's a lot of extra space in here, not a lot, but if you have extra things, 
And it's fairly inside here. Um, so the third party, um, dice. Yeah. The, the dice thing should go well. It's yeah. The same. First works in there. Fine. And there's a, there's another level here that you can just toss in your old, um, card, card trails. So back that up. You can see that this. Oh yeah. You can. Sure. Oh, really? Where did find piece of engineering? Well, I uh, look forward to. I look forward to receiving mine. <laughs> yeah, and you've got, and you said you've got. So Asia, we're very interested in in diving into as the two player duet mode just to see what that looks like, and uh, we've managed to. Oceania really made two player sing pretty well, just flat out, and it's going to be interesting to see what duet adds as a um extra kind of strategic space with that shared board so yeah we'll see um yeah i i like i said it's, i've got it it's going to go into the tree and so i won't get to play with it for another month i'll probably play with it this week and i will uh let you and our listeners know there you go yeah there you go so um moving on um yeah I've been trying to keep track of just different things that I see, like board games in the news and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I've, I've, um, I didn't find a lot this week, but I did find something that was just sort of intrigued me, and that was this uh, article on BGG News, uh, Board Game Geek, that just talked about their, the number of checkouts they had in their their, uh, their BGG Con library, and this is of course the B- the games that people want to play. And hands and down, that brings us back to yeah. <laughs> hands down, Flamecraft was right up there uh, with 139 checkouts. The mm-hmm. next, the next closest was a game called Endless Winter, Paleo Americans, mm-hmm. and it was 78. I know, I saw so that. So it's like wow, almost like double. So, and of course, I'm not surprised because it's just an, it's it's a fun, elegant game. It they really it speaks to multiple levels of of age groups and. And the, the end game expertise. So um, I know I've fawned over this game a lot previously, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting list to see what the new stuff was and and what people were really really checking out. So just for example, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about Arknova. Arknova had 42 checkouts compared to Good. 139. And then I'm just trying to see if there's anything else on this list. Well, one of the ones that I was really interested in this list is when Splendor came out. Um, there was a huge split. Like um, a lot of people were like, "Hey, this is a super huge, very stripped down kind of an engine builder of sorts, and um, just a great way to introduce people with a very simple gameplay into something that they are they probably don't haven't played as a game. It's not, you know, roll your dice, move your mice. It's really kind of unfamiliar but super easily to wrap your head around and plays quickly and it was awesome and a bunch of people who were like i hate this fucking thing (laughs) like this is not even a game this is the worst engine what kind of engine are you talking about you're just oh my no no which led to this whole um that for a while there was the meme of of redubbing at the sort of uh hitler melting down yelling at people and People would do it with a variety of topics, and Splendor was was one of them. We could play Splendor, yeah. So, um, so I'm fascinated to see that Splendor Duel. I saw that was coming out the two player version of Splendor came in number three with 65 checkouts, and I thought, well, that's unexpected, shall we say? Well, you know, I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants. No, I think it's 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 <laughs> it's one of those things that. You know, you don't know what drives this. You know, part of it is, well, mm-hmm. maybe it was checked out so much because it was always there. Or it was quick. Uh, it was quick and easy to get out on the table. It could have been curiosity. Yeah, but, like, there's a copy of uh, Crows, which I also have. Could be the 65 people that they got checked out were there. You know, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. The 65 people who worked with them were there, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but it was just an interesting, I thought, well... And then I said some very familiar ones. Uh, Cascadia was on there. Touring Machine I'm very interested in. 
Scout looks like a super fun little game. Starship captains. Indeed. And some big ones. Terracotta Army is down there with, you know, three twos, a fair number of checkouts for something as big as that. So, And, you know, part of me was like, I, I, I would like to go to this this con at some point and mm-hmm. try to check out some of these games. In fact, you know, it's funny, the last time we were together, we talked about Jeff Con being just a little bit behind us. Oh, right, yeah. And I'm just kind of curious if they kept track of, you know, this as well. I'll have to circle back with uh, Tuna to see if he's got a similar list, just to see how does a, a local con compare to something a bit more national in scope and just sort of see what uh, what their uh, their tops were so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, you know, part of this is also that, you know, Scott Alden runs Board Game Geek because he was a tech guy wanting to build an online database for gamers. So the whole, his skill set is geared toward tracking these kinds of numbers, right, in ways that your local con, that might not be your go-to. Well, and, you know, obviously the the app where people can track mm-hmm. the games that they play, I think you're a user of that, if I recall. I know. There's a couple that Dale and I play with on a regular basis that they track every game, what they played, who they played with, and everybody's final score. I don't do the final scores. I really, as we've discussed, I'm less interested in that. I'm really here to see who I've, you know, what's my, what's the network of gamers that I've made over the years and who are the people that I've played with, and it becomes just sort of um, uh, an ever-evolving yearbook of, uh, you know, people I sit down across the table with, so. My challenge is I don't think I'm disciplined enough to remember to pull out my phone and do it every time. Yeah. I go to, usually I just go to BGG after a game or, you know, the next day, like, oh, yeah, that's right. And now Laura's gotten so used to it. She's like, hey, did you enter the games yet? How, you know, how many plays have we had for this month? Well, maybe, maybe that'll be part of my New Year's resolution, is to track all of my games on BGG. It's fun. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it. I just, you know, they say 21 days to build a habit, one day to break it. That's fair. So. I didn't know they say that, but that, that is, yeah, that, that track. Somebody once told me that. I don't know if it's true. I've never really checked the science behind it, but I'm going to declare it right now as the truth. That works. Yeah. So. Because I can, if I can do something for twenty-one days straight in a row, I can always do it until I stop. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that makes good sense. Um, yeah, but I, I like that was a super fun thing to see. I'm glad that you threw that into our conversation because it was a lot of fun. And as I was saying, there's like some old, you know, like you know, way down at the bottom, we've got like um, Oniram and. Um, crows and all kinds of wonderful, weird stuff that I, you know, I have. Oh, Abyss. Two people played Abyss, and two people played a choir, a game from the fifties. That's awesome. Well, anyway, I think what's good about a list like this is that it's you know we're going to talk about you know Kickstarter again in a second, and, and mm-hmm. I think that we tend to all the air in the room tends to get sucked up by the Kickstarters and the new release that shows up on the shelf. And there's so much in the deep catalog or there's so many things that just sort of gets subtly released that you yeah. don't, don't notice it until it's, you know, either you don't notice it or you don't notice it until you happen to, to just stumble upon it. You know, you know that I've listened to a couple of uh, podcasts that are hitting their like, 15, 16 year marks. And we've talked about this. My God, getting into the pod, uh, into the hobby just about that time as well. And they were talking about this, that, you know, back in 2008, you could reasonably know what all of the big releases were. Not just reasonably, you probably should. And you could reasonably play them all. And you could have played them maybe a couple of times and have a, an opinion about them. And now, like you're saying, there's a bunch of great games that because there's a thousand or more, you know, just at one convention coming out. It's, yes. Yeah. And part of it is, I think, you know, board games have become a lot like magazines. And what I mean by that is it's, it's, it's a, it's a flat curve in the sense that there's something for everybody. You know, so for example, you you might have a dog, and you might care about a dog magazine or a cat magazine, whereas like Clark, whereas I could care less. 
Exactly. And then you get a game like, you know, like Dog Park or the, the, the things that we've talked about that, you know, my I wife, cats. my wife and I like games that we don't have to be mean to each other to win mm-hmm. kind of thing. Well, not all games are geared that way. Nope. You know, and, um, and I think that that's part of it. There's a lot more diversity in games for people to choose from for their style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that always frustrates me is that, um, Games typically are up to five player. Right. Which I guess they just assume that either there's five friends or there's two couples and then there's that one person who doesn't have a person in their life. Right. You know. Usually they were uh, two to four for a long time because German games are like, it's for the family, yeah, so come over, we'll play this game. And uh, um, what I've noticed is that, um, you know, you can take Wingspan and make it a six player game. And seven with, uh, with, yeah. Even before that, you would used to, if you have an extra mat, which you do, Mm -hmm. and you have enough resources, which I do, thank you, Maple Source, um, because I've actually played it with six people where we ran out of resources. With the Meeple Source resources, we ran out because one guy Ah. had an engine that was just like, give me all your rain, give me all your grain. You know, he had all this green. Oh, yeah. You know. So it's just sort of interesting um, because I, I'm, you know, part of me is, is trying to figure out a ways to introduce people to the hobby of gaming. Um, mm-hmm. We, um, so little sidebar, you know, and I, obviously I go to a, a Methodist church here in, in North Carolina. We've been coming out of COVID. We're trying to figure out how to get people to interact again. And, and one of the things I said to the people that were thinking about this is said, look, you know, People are not. People haven't stopped doing things. They've just stopped doing things here. So if you want to interact with them, you need to go where they are. So you need to think about. Let's do stuff at a coffee shop. Let's go to a brewery. Um, and I was thinking about how I could use. God, I love you, Methodists, for having that being an option. Well, because, yeah, because because <laughs> they're they're you know, evangelical Southern Baptists are like go to a brewery. No. Yeah. Well, and so like you know our our minister she does a she does a Bible study every week and she does it in a wine wine place. Uh, like, and it's just, you know, it's a great, cause it's the idea is you're trying to get people to be social. Right. You know, and interact with one another. And so I want to do something with the, the gaming thing. But the thing is, is that, well, you can only have six people and you're one of them. If you're lucky, maybe you right. have four people and you're one of them. So that means you can only do it with three people. So I'm trying to think of ways to build that level of community. And it might just be, I reserve a couple of tables and invite people and I get two games going or something like that. Yep. And then I have everybody kind of switch around. I don't know. I, I I don't mean to go down this path, but it was just one of those things that I wish there were more games that you could have at least six people. Well, and this is a, this is a, I mean, I, as a, as someone who hosted game nights for a decade or more, that was always the thing. Like, yeah, you get to a break point of like four, sometimes five, and then, and then you then you sort of pitch over into a variety of kind of low key party games. You know, you're playing Dixit. You're playing just one. You could play Seven Wonders. Depends on the interest and ability level of who's there. If it's a group of gamers, then yeah, seven people around a table. Seven Wonders is awesome for yeah, a full complement because it doesn't change the length of the game. Well, um, the last thing I want to play is Pictionary. For instance, unless it's very late at night and you're very deep in your cups. Well, uh, well you and I have a mutual friend. Uh, Chris Keener. Oh, yes. Who, back in the early part of this millennium, was part of a band called The Strangers, and Chris wrote a song. I don't know if he wrote it by himself or if he co-wrote it with one of the members. I'll, I'll leave that for him to correct on the record. But he wrote a song called Pictionary. And it's a brilliant play on the game. I'll have to see if he's got a... I'll see if he's got a recording of it, and then maybe we can share it here sometime. That'd be awesome. Since he, it's, it's his song, we could get his permission and play it here. So, um, moving along from this list into, yeah, yeah. um, I, I used to call this section of the, of the show Kickstarters I've backed, but now I've had to amend that to say Kickstarters I've backed or I'm intrigued by. Ah, yeah. I see that we've got two. Because there's, there's two categories here because, um, there's the two that I want to talk about this week. And I had actually backed these, at least one of these before the last time we spoke, but, um, forgot to put it on the list. And then there are a couple that I'm intrigued by, and I think of the t- the ones I'm intrigued by, I'm probably going to back one of them. 
I'll let you decide which when we get through this. So right. first thing is the fifth edition Game Master's Survival Guide. So there's a there's a person on Patreon I back called DM Dave. DM right. Dave is great. He uh, Dave Hamrick. He writes. He is a very prolific content writer. He's always putting out little adventures that you can insert into your games. You you've actually experienced a couple of the, a couple of them, perhaps unbeknownst <laughs> to you. Because when you guys are, you know, w- walking around Barovia and, and, you know, it's just like, oh, great. Do I want to have more vampire spawn or do I want to do something interesting? You know, and so I've... Interesting is good. I've tried to pull things in that kind of keep the whole story going. Um, and you may recall when you guys were going across the northern part and kept running into encounters. Mm-hmm. All that was DM Dave stuff. Uh, because Damn you, DM Dave. there was nothing in the book that would really make it interesting, like the villages and the different encounters that you had. So I yeah. used that some of that content as a way to to stretch and elongate out the story. So anyway, he has been pushing a Kickstarter where he's putting together this book, a Game Master Survival Guide, where he's going to give you some great ways to run monsters and just uh, um, some maps and just different content that's going to be bound in a book. And I was like, you know what? I can I I can back this. It was like thirty dollars or. Yeah, no, that was uh, $30 for a hardcover. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so he's, in, and I, of course, like I said, I back him on Patreon, so I have access to a lot of his content, and he has a a really good way of indexing his monsters. So in the last campaign, last campaign that I did where I was trying to give everybody sort of like the greatest hits of right. um, D&D, uh, it occurred, yeah, there was an opportunity for me to use an actual Cthulhu, and he built a stat sheet for Cthulhu. Oh, wow. and so I was able to pull that into the game, and 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 just so it's just he's just a great resource when, you know, as a as a dungeon master, you're you're trying to look for something to kind of fit to where the group is going, without having to to dig for it, you know, and so I'm yeah. I, I like having him as an ongoing resource. So anyway, I backed his his uh, Kickstarter, the Fifth Edition Game Master Survival Guide. That looks awesome. The other thing I backed was. Zoo Tycoon, yeah, I get uh-huh. it. Yeah, the more I looked at it, the more I realized that that game, the video game, was a big part of my girls growing up. Uh, they, and okay. so it's one of those things where I'm going to use something nostalgic to bring them to the table. Uh-huh, that's that funny. Emotional manipulation. Laying a little trap. Yeah, yeah I see that. Yeah, so. Uh, Classic dad. Because I don't think they're going to have the patience to sit down and play Ark Nova with us. So, so I'm, I'm, I saw this and I was thinking, you know what you need to do is you need to uh, drive on down to Greenville at some point and bring Ark Nova, Zoo Tycoon, and then we can play um, Zuloretto and we can do this whole, you know, zoo theme. Ooh, and Mafio Zoo. And New York Zoo. Yeah. No, it'll be like, you'll clearly have to, like, yeah. Throw a tent out of the front. Treat, treat it like a marathon dance. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, there's a there's a um, a uh, Airbnb like four doors down. So, and, and you know we can send that'll work Laura and Dale and Emerson out, and you and I can just you know see which zoo is the best zoo. Well, you know that, that's kind of right. And I think I've said this on the show before, one of the earlier episodes that I always had this dream of doing. Um, Isle of Cats, Wingspan, and Parks as if it were a singular. You get a, you get the people. You play a round of Isle of Cats. Oh, yes, you have. Yeah. Then you do an, a round of Wingspan. Then you do a round of Parks. Then you go back and do your second round. Because they all have like four, you know, five or so rounds. And then you total up the scores from all three games, and that's your your uh, your score. And in my mind, it's always the cats chasing the birds into the park. Perfect. Simple. So, Anyway, so those are the games that I've backed. Now, there's two that I'm intrigued by. Yeah. And this first one, Elden Ring. As you know, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Elden Ring, the video game, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played it pretty straight from, like, March to August. I think August, I finally put the controller down. And <laughs> I still haven't finished the game. I'm like, i, I got to come back to it, but I need a break. Yes. And, um, and so I was like very intrigued with this idea of a video game becoming a board game. We talked mm-hmm. a little bit about it with Zoo Tycoon. Zoo Tycoon, yes. Um, and I was like, you know, 
Elden Ring, yes, take my money. As soon as it comes out, you know, alert me. And then it came out. Uh oh. And the more I look at it, I mean, the 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 spirit is willing. The 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 flesh is weak in this one. And I don't and this kind of in an opposite way, maybe the flesh that's is a willing in the spirit. Metric fuck ton of minis too. Yeah. Well that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's it's Steamforged. They're one of the best in the business for creating minis. That is true. You're getting over a hundred minis if you get the all in deal, which that is just gorgeous ridiculous. stuff. But here's the thing, and this is why I think I'm not gonna back it at all. Uh, the price is part of it. There is a barrier there. It, it, in, in terms of, would I get the enjoyment of the game for the price? And it's a solo or co-op game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's the video game. So really, if you're just, if you really want to do this, play the video. And it's a diceless combat system. Mm-hmm. So it's card-based. Yeah. And the more I look at the mechanics of it, I'm like, I love the idea of the minis. I would love to have just the minis. Right. I don't know. I don't want the game. I mean, that seems fair. I mean, speaking of... I, I mean, they're gonna I, get, the game's going to get made. They're going to make their money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. It's not a slide on them. This is... It's not you, Elden Ring, the board game. It's me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, well, uh, like, um, Sky went home with the... A board game I picked up a giant box of stuff um at a uh yard sale when Sky was about let's say six. And uh it was Crossmaster, which is a whole series of games. And uh and this was a box full of Crossmaster stuff. And Sky was saying, Oh, you know, I'm doing all this D D stuff with my friends, and I've got this battle map and my friends, because they're in junior high, keep drawing penis trees all over everything, and I'd rather, like, have some little terrain stuff so they're not drawing, you know, penises all over everything. Like, that's fair. Um, and this game had it. It had, like, lots of little mini, like, tables and crates and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, so take this. It's uh, cardboard. You sort of fold it and, you know, wedge it together, and away you go. Um, it was never enough... For it to be useful for me, and I'm glad that I spent my twenty bucks fifteen years ago. That Sky now, or however long it was, uh, Sky now has these. Do you really need, you know, three hundred dollars worth of minis in your life? Um, yeah, well, those are some amazing pieces there. Need but, is the yeah. word. Yeah, <laughs> but also, this, they're so Elden Ring specific. Is that there's not even a stat block if you wanted to use them in D and D. You'd have to be you know, you'd have to create it. What you could do, what you could do, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I generally would buy used copy of the old D&D games to get the minis. Sure. That was a great way to supplement your mini collection really fast. Um, but no, I'd, like I said, it was just one of those things where the brand, and I think we've talked about this before, where the brand you're immediately intrigued by. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Steamforge, you know, I know them because they did a lot of the original Critical Role minis that they had. Uh, so they do a really great job of design and, and implementation. Um, but also, I I don't play a lot of solo games. Right. And I don't think this would ever... And it's like 90 hours of gameplay or something like oh, that. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. That ain't happening. If that was the only thing I was going to do, yeah, I didn't have other games. Yeah, so I did... Like I said, I think it's a... It'll be a niche collector's item. Oh, yeah. And there are young men with lots of disposable income who yep. are doing a lot of coding right now. So, so you have to have that. You, I think you just profiled some people. <laughs> so we're going to... I feel like I was... Uh, like I'm, uh, I know who this is marketed for, so I'm not yeah. So we'll, we'll leave it there on that. Like I said, it's a, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. game. I'm sure it's good, the mechanic. I have nothing against the mechanic. It's just that the even at the, even at the entry-level price of the 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 core package um i just don't see it as being compelling enough to spend the money when i when i could put that level of of investment into four or five other games that i I mean it is gorgeous but i can see being willing to pass on there are a bunch of things like that that i've been like oh that would be something i will never actually yeah and if steamforge is smart 
which they are, they may come out at some point and say, hey, you want to buy the minis? That And by the way, you get to pick and choose what you want. Like, yeah. you know, their skeletons I would take and, you know, some of their individual characters I would take and stuff like that. But, nah, I'll enjoy it in the game, the video sure. game. Now, this other one is, is something that I've been tracking for a while and it finally launched and I'm just kind of waiting. Um, that looks far more intriguing in a lot of ways. Yeah, so we're talking about Pest. Mm-hmm. Um, Pest is a... Our once great empire was struck by a devastating plague. Will you answer the call to save it? So it's very much a, it's almost like a medieval pandemic, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, it's got this aesthetic that just is really compelling. Um, I love the 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 plague doctor um, mask. Yeah. yeah, so I think that- Dark plus grim, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just a, it's a pretty, uh, you know, obviously we've just spent the last three years in a, in a pandemic, so- it does kind of mm-hmm. speak to the way we've lived our lives recently, but I think it's a really interesting concept. Um, so I'm probably going to back this one before it's all set. Yeah. Well, and it's a, I mean, it's not a, a pre-existing property. Yep. It's, um, it does have some cool funky minis, and but there's some basic, you know, wood meeples and buildings and stuff. It looks more straight up the Euro- and it looks like it's not going to play for 90 hours. It's it's another Australian one. Which, ah. And we talked about that uh, some recently, like the Into the Gardens and mm-hmm. um, Cascade. Was it Cascadia? No, Cascadia said. There was another, there was another one that was Australian. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a hundred, all in it's $120 Australian, which is only like 80 bucks. Yep. Which, um, you know. That's the other thing. Steamforge, it's uh, the, uh, the going back to to uh, Elden Ring. The all-in package is three hundred and sixty-four pounds, so it's like four hundred fifty dollars. But I think they're they're mapping to the exchange rate because I've seen that number fluctuate. So yeah. it really depends on what's the exchange rate. So maybe if the pound drops significantly between now and next week, because these both close um, around December second or so. So we'll see. Yeah. No, but I'm kidding. But um, about the Elden Ring. But no, the Pest thing looks really, really mm-hmm. intriguing to me. And I'm sure there are other things going on on Kickstarter right now. Those are the just the two that really caught my attention. Usually what happens is I'll get a little preview of them and I'll say, save that and tell me when it launches. And then I'll kind of hem and haw. Because right now I'm, see, delivery on these things. Uh, yeah, these are both, both of these games are 2024 deliveries. So okay. I, I'm I'm gearing up for Christmas 2024 right now. That's usually how my Kickstarters work, is that, that there is either my wife's birthday, an anniversary, or Christmas that will fall around the delivery date. Because you can tell wow. you. I always take their delivery dates and I, I make a metric. I double them and add 30. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that seems like, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the... Uh... What's your bid for the construction? And then we're going to, yeah. Yeah. At at least 50% again. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so then the next section I thought about was uh, D&D and tabletop RPGs. Yeah. You know, we, you know, you and I are playing an active game, mm-hmm. but we haven't really talked a lot about it other than some titles here and there. So I wanted to make this sort of like a, a regular feature. Uh, of our our discussion, and um, one of the things I ran into is there is um, uh, there was a YouTube I came across. Um, the guy's YouTube channel is what did I say? Questing Beast, um, and he was talking about the best starter adventure that fits on one page, and so he was just talking about this free content, um, uh, the quintessential dungeon that's been around since 2016, and it's just a really nice way to um to share a dungeon with your 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 folks uh it kind of reminds me of the uh, a little bit of the map that they put together in the re-release of the tomb of horrors uh in terms of the layout which it kind of reminded me of when i looked at it it's not exactly the same but and i was curious to see if somebody's taken this and layered it already on roll 20 or if that was something you would need to do but i just thought it was an interesting layout and i thought it was just something Something good. Uh, you can actually get this one page, one page dungeon over on a um, 
blogspot called Beholder Pie blogspot.com. I'll put all these in the show notes. No, it looks super. And I, I saw that. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like a classic, just very basic dungeon crawl kind of experience. Yeah, it took me back. It felt very 80s in a lot of ways. Yep. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I'll try to have some, obviously we're going to have some new content that kind of comes out on both of these topics of D&D and tabletop RPGs. And so we'll make sure that we spend some time uh, covering some of the things that are going on there, particularly with, uh, uh, we already talked a little bit about Dragonlance. That should be out by the next time we speak. Um, and as of course, we'll get closer to D&D D- 1 as that gets closer to release. Uh, as well as, you know, people, you know, looking at that and saying, no, no, I'm going to I'm go recheck out Pathfinder. I'm going to take a look at some of these other pieces yeah. of content that are coming out. So it'll be really interesting to see um, how the tabletop genre continues to to fan out, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've got the um, oh. what's, uh, old ones of Appalachia, which are backed, and that's now in a... Um, gameplay development phase so we'll see uh how that goes but just speaking of i was just thinking of um you know strad and appalachian are accent on southern and uh thinking about well just waiting for it as a, as another that's uh uses the cipher system but also ways that tabletop uh continues to proliferate and move in interesting ways i hope yeah interesting. no it's it's a it's a fun time mm-hmm. to be in this genre so the last the last thing I have is sort of under the moniker of miscellaneous because I think it's we we run into some topics from time to time that just kind of fit there. And um, you know, last time we were together, we talked a little bit about Twitter a couple times. We talked about it from you know Jamie's point of view, and I talked about uh, Strad for Z, the the Strad von Zerovich parody account. Mm-hmm. And um, a number of people started talking about, oh, I'm leaving Twitter and I'm going to go to you know, Tumblr, and I've noticed that a lot of the, a lot of creatives in the space um, haven't left Twitter, but they've really ramped up their Tumblr. I've noticed that a number of the, the players on Critical Role have done that, which, you know, is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been, I was hearing a lot about Mastodon, and Mastodon is, is sort of like an open source Twitter that has a federated capability. So you can either join a server, you can set up your own server and just kind of have your own space with rules in terms of service and stuff like that. So um, being somebody who likes to experiment and learn, I set up a Mastodon server and I decided to call it on the table.social. So if you go to on the table.social, you will see our Mastodon server and you can join it. Um, you just can't immediately join it. You got to tell us why you want to join it because I'm still learning how this works. So I wasn't going to make it a open free for all quite yet. Awesome. But what I discovered, and this is why I'm bringing it up, not just to shill our own, our own uh, server, because I may get bored with it and kill it. But we also have a guild on uh, Board Game Geek, so that is true. We need to get that as long as we're shilling. I need to get that listed out here too. I need to get that our links. Thank you for reminding me for that. I'll give you mm-hmm. shoot that to me again. I'll put it in the show notes, and we'll make sure that we keep that as a standard part of our our drop. Yeah. Um. But what was interesting is that I found that there are a number of servers out there that are dedicated to tabletop gaming. So there's just a couple that I found. Um, one was, um, well, first of all, what there was one called um, Ordalea Publishing, and that was not a um, a, um, a server per se, but it was somebody I met on a server. And it's a guy in, I want to say it's in Croatian. He's Croatia, yep. Yeah, so he's a game designer, and he's just, you know, sort of, we got into a conversation and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm talking to somebody who's then, then he was talking about writing rule books and stuff like that. So it was just kind of interesting. And so there's a very different community, uh, on Mastodon when you get into tabletop gaming. And then there's a bunch of different, um, servers out there. There's tabletop.vip, there's dice camp. Um, there is, uh, on the table, no, we're on the table.social. There's tabletop. We are. Social. There's tabletop.social, which is really interesting because they have a listing of other servers, including some German ones uh, around the, what is it, Spiel? Mm-hmm. So there's there's one that's there about that, so that thought that, that was pretty interesting. And there is um, one that is French only. Avon? So French speakers only is what it says. 
C'est bon, ça. C'est bon, si, oui, bleh. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we'll see where it goes. I've um, I've set up a, the server. I've set up the terms of service. I've borrowed those terms of service heavily from tabletop.social because I got to figure it out until we kind of fine tune it. So I acknowledge that in the terms of service and, um, you know, kind of take it from there. Um, cool. But I've built it up on DigitalOcean, which is a cloud-based server. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I like it, though, because if we can... I, I would not mind a Twitter feed that was mostly just, you know, game stuff. Right. And that kind of gives me that opportunity and also filter out all the noise. So sure. we'll, we'll see how that, that evolves. But uh, that's all I've got for this week. That's all I've got. Getting back into the classroom uh, tomorrow. And uh, we've got about a week and a half left. And then uh, then it all goes to hell. The home stretch. <laughs> the home stretch. Gotta love it. The home stretch. Yep. Yep. Well, um, I hope it, you're in that, that last little bit before the, the big break. And uh, hopefully when we're back in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll both be a little bit less raspy. Uh, or for me, then you, you've got that deeper, deeper. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're... Yeah. We're going to do the whole, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Wow, it's the whole thing. Yeah. There you go. So until next time, I'm Joe Mahaffey, and I'm not bored. I have board gaming. And I'm James Engelhardt, hoping that all your tiebreakers break your way. Bye, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.